Good morning again. If you're just tuning in, my name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm one of the pastors here. We have had some technical difficulties, but hopefully you are following along well enough as we use our phone. Today is the second Sunday in our new sermon series called Mass. We are talking about what life would be like if we were to identify the masks that we wear around one another and then remove them so that we might be more authentic and vulnerable in the spaces that we occupy. We are grounding this series in the book of Ephesians because we are told to put off falsehood and speak truthfully to one another, to die to the old self, the false self that we examined last week, and be made new in the likeness of Christ. Last week we looked at anger as a masking emotion. Anger is always pointing to something deeper within us, like shame or resentment, stress or worry. This week we are going to continue examining chapter 4 of Ephesians as we are told to rid ourselves of unwholesome talk. There's a story that my mom has told me several times in my life, and it goes like this. One day, my brother, sister, mom, and I were walking out of a Chinese restaurant. Now, this isn't any Chinese restaurant. It is the best Chinese food in Alabama. I would say it's actually the best Chinese food I've ever had. So if you're ever driving through Hoover, Alabama, you need to go to New China, okay? New China. We're walking out of New China, and my brother and I were about, I would say, while, of course, we're screaming, shotgun. We started fighting with one another because we got at the car door at the same time. And so we wrestled with each other, and my brother suddenly turned to me and said, you can't have it, you hairy pork chop. My mom, who was now in earshot of that comment, came up and grabbed my brother in that spot between your neck and your shoulder blade, and she pinched him so hard that he wilted all the way to the ground and was lying in his back in the parking lot. She then stood over him and she got down in his face and said, don't you ever say that to your sister again. And then she said, and don't you ever talk about another female body to them again. My mom said that my brother and sister and I were in shock because we were like, who is You know, I don't remember if those words hurt me, but I know that those words were similar to words that I would hear in middle school that did hurt me, that talked about my size. All of us know the power that words have and the pain that they can cause. Even as adults, we can remember vividly words that were thrown at us to degrade us. In some way, those words can still feed our insecurities and make us believe that they define us. Those words, those messages, those lies that we have consumed, that's what we're trying to get rid of as we claim who we truly are in Christ. And we are trying to watch our mouths so we aren't people who throw those words at others. And so our text for today begins with this command. 
let no unwholesome talk. Another translation says evil talk. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but say only what is helpful for building other people up. Speak only what will benefit those who listen. As I looked back, uh, this verse 29 is an allusion to two different pieces of scripture in the Old Testament. That, coupled with all the other places that we see in scripture, that God wills us to watch our words, reminded me just how important this is. For example, this verse serves an allusion to Exodus 20:16. That's one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. It's also an allusion to Proverbs 6. It says there are seven things that God detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. We all know that our words have the capacity to stir up conflict. I was also reminded of James chapter 3, where we are warned to tame the tongue. James says to us, the tongue is like the rudder that moves a huge ship. The tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth that has it moved from place to place. It is like a small spark that starts a wildfire. It is small, but it is mighty. James says, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. We see in Matthew chapter 15 that there's been a connection to our heart. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And Luke puts it this way, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so as we continue thinking how we can unmask and be our most authentic self, we have to think about our words. We have to examine our own heart once again to see, are they full of an abundance of good? Are they full of an abundance of negativity and criticism and downright mean-spiritedness? Is are our words building people up or tearing them down, either straight to their face or behind their back? Indeed, I noticed this week that the message translation of this verse, that this passage says, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Now, all of us can define for ourselves what unwholesome or profane talk means. You know it because you hear it right when it comes out of your mouth. That that wasn't exactly what you would want to say. But I was intrigued by backbiting. It's, we know that it means to talk maliciously about someone who isn't present, present. But it was originally used to describe what was once called bare baiting. Okay, it's a lot of beans, so hang with me. Bear begging was a terrible, uh, cruel form of entertainment that hit its height in England in the 1500s. People would bake a bear out into an arena. They would tie the bear up by its leg or its neck, 
and they would release a pack of dogs into the arena to torment the bear. People would cheer and place bets on the dogs, and this continued until the bear had killed several dogs or had been bitten into submission. But since the bears were valuable and had to be imported from other places at a great cost, they didn't actually let the bear die. They would take care of the bear and set it out in the ring another time. Clearly, bear biting and bear baiting and backbiting are not the same in terms of physical cruelty, but they were interrelated for a reason. The bear would be trapped, caught off guard, and attacked from behind without being able to see what was coming. Over and over again, it would endure the same maliciousness. It was valuable but used. It was cared for but then put into harm's way. In a similar way, we may be adults now, but that has not changed our bad behavior. It has just become more sophisticated. Whether we really want to admit it in our hearts or not, all of us magnify in some way. All of us are two-faced in some way. We say nice things to someone's face and then we talk behind their back. We let people believe they are valuable to us, but then we don't treat them with respect when they're not around. We bait people into thinking we have their backs. Like the bear, we render people somewhat defenseless because they often never know how we truly speak of them. I think this is particularly an issue in the South. We were taught certain manners, like put on your niceties and don't say what you really think, don't express how you really feel. And so we get trapped into pretending we're okay or pretending to be someone that we aren't. We get caught up in gossip instead of learning how to speak truthfully to one another and how to communicate respectfully with one another. Now, I'm not standing here trying to make you feel bad, and I'm certainly not standing here as if I'm not a part of this. But what's so hard about this sermon series is that it asks you to dig deeply to understand what is going on in your own heart so that you can watch how it dictates and directs your behaviors and your actions. This series is about paying attention to where you offer two different versions of yourself instead of one authentic version. So I've asked myself, why do we talk unfavorably about people, especially people we are friends with, or our family members, or people, people that we really care about. Why do we hide who we truly are from people that we love the most? Here are a couple of reasons. One, often our words are a reflection of some insecurity within us. Two, our words are often a reflection of some jealousy towards another. We tend to have the most trouble with people who are after the same goals or dreams as us or model some form of achievement we wish to possess. Three, we often think we know more about a situation than we really do. We think that social media or picture-perfect images tell us everything about someone's life. We forget that everybody struggles. Four, we are afraid to be honest with people. We are afraid that if we do express our feelings, we will get an adverse reaction. Five, we simply don't know how to put our word, put our feelings into words. We have spent so long expressing our feelings to someone else instead of the person that we really need to talk to. 
And six, I think this is the big one. We are afraid of conflict, or what we perceive to be conflict, which ironically creates more conflict. When we do not speak honestly and truthfully with one another, we miss the facts. We make up and assume how people feel instead of asking them ourselves. So what do we do to change our behavior? Because the goal isn't to avoid speaking up. The goal is to monitor and watch what we say and how we say it. The goal is to be more authentic and real. There's a story about the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates, widely known for his wisdom. While on the street one day, Socrates bumped into a friend who wanted to share something with him about their mutual friend. Socrates said, that's fine, but before sharing, this must pass my triple filter test. So Socrates asks his friend, have you made absolutely sure that what you're about to say is true? And the friend says, well, no, I just heard it. And Socrates says, okay, well, is what you want to tell me good or kind? And the friend said, no, actually it's the opposite. And Socrates says, so you are certain that it's true and it isn't good or kind. Okay, there's one more filter. Is what you want to say useful or necessary? The friend said, no, not really. So Socrates said, if what you want to say isn't true, good, or useful, please don't say anything. I wonder how our words might change if we were to put them through this triple filter test. Is what we want to say to someone or about someone true, good, or useful? Or using the filter that our scripture has given us, is what we want to say helpful for building others up according to their needs? Will it benefit those who listen? Verse 30 goes on to say, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with conversations or actions that endanger any part of the body of Christ. You actually can live, speak, and act differently because you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Spirit that empowers you and compels you to speak what is true, good, and useful. Finally, verse 31 and 32 say, Get rid of all this bitterness and rage and slander and every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And so we can practice getting rid of all these things through finding our filters, but we can also practice combating this negativity by offering words of kindness, compassion, and grace. One translation of this final verse said, to be tender-hearted. Someone told me recently, actually two people told me recently, that they thought I had a tender heart. I'm going to tell you that I didn't take that as a compliment. Like, I wanted to say, my heart's not tender. Like, I'm strong, I'm tough, I can handle pain. I prefer you to think of my heart as well done. But the truth is, all of us could use a bit more tenderness in our hearts. All of us could use more tenderness in our thoughts and in the way that we speak. Having a tender heart means we lean toward compassion and empathy first. It means 
that we stop to think about what we might not know about someone or a situation before saying words that can sting. And so here we are, back to the heart. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. It is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So today, wherever your heart feels bitter or jealous, full of malice or anger, stubborn or stuck, the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within you, that has filled you with the all-encompassing love of Christ, stands ready to warm your heart up, to soften it, to help you break down that guard that you built around it and be your truest, most authentic, best self. The world does not need our bitterness and our backbiting. The world needs our compassion, our kindness, our tenderness, and our grace. May it be so. Amen.